So we are on, in our last Sunday, on the series on the fear of the Lord. And I am going to take part of that, the time, just to review where we've been. So if you haven't, if this is like your first Sunday here or first Sunday here in a while, um, you're going to get caught up to speed. And then I'll probably do a little bit shorter message on the, on the back end than, than normal. So the fear of the Lord is something that is promoted throughout the Bible, um, but it's not, um, not something that's easily understood. Oh, awesome. I know. It's not something that's easily under, understood. And so what we've said is that the way to get at it is to immerse ourselves in Scripture that talks about the fear of the Lord. So we've had 100 people in eight different groups that are looking at multiple passages throughout the week and then getting together and talking about it during this series. Unlike normal, normally I would do, or whoever would do the, the first sermon on the same passage, or the first service, they would do a sermon on the same passage that they do at the second service. But through this series, we've been doing two different ones, um, trying to get at what is the fear of the Lord and how do we get in us. So as I review, um, one thing I want to note is that this still doesn't even, we are gonna, we've talked a lot of, about a lot of different things that have to do with the fear of the Lord, but we haven't even really got the fullness. And even the things we've talked about, we could go in so much deeper, but I'm glad for the way we've immersed ourselves. So to start, the fear of the Lord is a beginning. It's a foundation. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs chapter 9 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Like to know reality, you start with the fear of the Lord. To know how to live well and to live wisely, you start with the fear of the Lord. And that's something that we've, since that's the foundation, that's something we've been bringing up every week. The first Sunday, we talked about the fear of the Lord is knowing and living as if God is God. Like the fear of the Lord is saying, you are God and we are not. And God uh, is so gracious. He says, like, you come talk to me. Ask me. I want to help you. You can share your frustrations, your anger, your hurt. You can do all of that. You can, you can say, please do this. And he graciously responds very often. And so all of that is good. But but one thing that it can lead to is us unconsciously thinking that God answers to us instead of realizing that ultimately we answer to God. So he is God and we are not. The second week, we talked about fearing the Lord and turning away from evil. God is good, so to fear him is to do what he wants and what he wants is good. And evil leads us to have a break from the Lord. It, it leads us to hurt other people, and we're supposed to turn away from it. So we shouldn't consume evil, like take it in and watch it and think it's not going to affect us. Oh, we've got it, because it does affect us when we bring things in. In the same way, we shouldn't be consumed by it, like those, I just keep thinking about that evil there, and all that evil, and that's so bad, and that's so bad. I mean, that, that just creates an anger in us, a bitterness in us that leads to evil. But, and this is a, a really big point, when we see evil and sin in ourselves, which we all have, our tendency will be to hide, to go away from the Lord instead of running to the Lord. We think, well, I got to go back so that if I get cleaned up, then I'm going to be okay to be with God. But really, we need God to clean us up. So when we become aware of our sin and evil, we go to the Lord. 
We need to go to the Lord. That is part of the fear of the Lord. The next week we talked about do not fear what they fear. One of the most uh, stated commands in the Bible is do not be afraid or fear not. And we're, we're not to be afraid because God, we have God as our God and ultimately he is the one that we need to get us to where we need to be. So I read a quote this week from Billy Graham uh, that when he was alive, he said his biggest fear in life is that the Lord's hand would be taken from him. Like he could handle anything else, but, not, but he needs to have the Lord with him. And that's one of the passages we read. Do not fear what they fear. Uh, don't fear the one who could kill your body. Fear the one who could put your soul in hell. And the person who can put your soul in hell or the being that can put your soul in hell is not the devil. It's God is the judge. And that whole context of that passage isn't that he's the judge and angry. And it, the whole passage is he wants to take care of us. He wants what's our best. But what we need to make sure is that if we have him, then we're okay. The passages we looked at that week, the, the first passage had to do with Saul. And Saul used threats to get after uh, God's people. He was... He was put people in prison. He oversaw an execution. I mean, he was doing things that would cause any of us to get afraid and anxious and, and, and be scared. And, and, and then he encountered the Lord, and he had such a fear of the Lord that he went to being one of those people that he was persecuting before, and he spoke boldly, and he went through prison and beatings and uh, abandonment and all kinds of, of things like that. But he stayed true to the end because what he feared, what he cared about more than anything is what God thought. And he knew that to live as, uh, to, to live as Christ and to die is gain. Like he's not living for this world anyway. So what do you do with the guy that you can't intimidate because you could do anything to him and he's okay as long as he's got God. So he did not fear what they fear. The other passage had to do with Jesus walking on the water, and water at that time symbolized human fears. And Jesus puts human fears underneath his feet. And when Peter sees him and wants to be with him, he can come and walk alongside Jesus, and walking to Jesus alongside Jesus, the fears are underneath his feet. We need to fear the Lord. We need to say, you are in charge, and trust Ultimately, he will bring us to where we need to be. Next, the next week, delight in the goodness. Delight in the goodness that comes from the Lord. So fear of the Lord often feels like, bad, scary. But the fear of the Lord in the Bible so often is connected to good things. Like, those who fear the Lord will be blessed. Those who fear the Lord will get these gifts. Those who fear the Lord, he will take care of. There, there is a passage that even gives good things to inspire us to have the fear of the Lord. <clears throat> he so wants to bring blessing and goodness to us. But we don't get blessing and goodness by keeping him way at a distance. He is the source of every good and perfect gift. And so when we fear him and we say, okay, you are in charge. You are the most important thing in my life. Then we get connected to the blessing. The passage in Isaiah 13 says that Jesus, there's prophesying about Jesus, delighted in the fear of the Lord because it was such a good thing. And the fear of the Lord actually leads to the love of the Lord. In the Deuteronomy passage that week, it, those are right next to each other. It's not like fear of the Lord is different than love of the Lord. They go together. 
Those who say, you are God, learn. He is good and he wants goodness for us and so it leads to love. And then last week we talked about the fear of the Lord and we talked about a lot of different things, the salvation being from the Lord, making Jesus our Lord uh, as much as we can, more so than we have. Humility and um, pride was in a, a passage. One of the things about these passages, and I learned this from going through with, with my group, so I did the Isaiah passage last week. Allie did the, the passage about Jesus uh, and, the, and the fish. And um, I had, since I only had one sermon I was doing last week, I really went to the commentaries. I really, I, I learned that thing. I thought through that thing. I was looking at all the angles I could. And then I get to my group of guys and, and I've given the sermon and they start bringing up things I have never seen before. I mean, I'm just reading like the, the commentary. They're just bringing, I'm like, I've never even thought of that before. So there's so much in all these passages. Let me talk about one thing that I don't think either of us talked much about last week, but is in both stories. So uh, the first one, the first story of, of uh, Isaiah is a picture in the heavenly realm. It's religious because it's kind of in the temple, but really the temple in heaven. There's angels. It's this spiritual realm, religious picture. And Isaiah gets there, and when he sees the Lord for real, he says, woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. He becomes aware of his sin, aware that he cannot make it up on his own, no matter what he does. And then he receives forgiveness. Forgiveness comes to him, is given to him before he even asks for it. And then he's commissioned to go be God's messenger. Who will go for me? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. So he becomes aware of his sin and where he's unworthy. He receives forgiveness and then he's a messenger of that forgiveness, of God's message. That's very earth, they're a spiritual, heavenly situation. Then the other story is like fish and a boat. It's earthly. We, aren't talk, no, we don't see any angels. It's not, but... but Jesus is there, and so when Peter sees the Lord for who he is through fish, he falls down, says, woe to me, I'm a sinner, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. And, and Jesus goes up to him showing like, no, you can be in relationship with God because of me, and then he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men, I'm going to send you to be my messenger in both times. That is, that is the pattern of that, and both are stemming from, this is what fear of the Lord looks like. To be aware, like, I'm not worthy. I need help. You give it to me. If you ask me to go, I will go. That's fear of the Lord. Now, uh, this Sunday, the first service, we talked about Revelation. I'm going to read one little passage from Revelation, but we, we just spent time in Revelation. That was it. And we did a quote on worship and how worship and prayer leads to the fear of the Lord. It feels like the ideal ending to this series would be go to the last book of the Bible where you are seeing like final judgment but final salvation and it's huge and crowds and now we're going to worship. That is fear of the Lord. But we're going to do a different sermon this Sunday for this service. And I think it's the one that we're supposed to really end the series with um, and so that's what we're going to do. But to start, let's look at this passage from Revelation chapter 15, verse 4. 
It says, who will not fear you, Lord? This is, by the way, a voice from heaven. This is a voice coming from the throne. It's not the Lord's voice, but it is coming from the throne. It's, it's heaven's perspective. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? Like if you're an angel and you are seeing God as he really is and humans as they really are and how everything works as it really is, there's like this question like, who would not fear you? Who wouldn't be willing to bring glory to your name? It's pretty obvious. But from our perspective, the question is to us. Will we fear him? Will we live to bring glory to his name? That's the question for today. So we're going to look, our, our passage, we're going to look at two passages. Um, and the first one comes from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if it is good for us to be here, if you wish, or it is good for us to be here, if you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. So what I just read starts with after six days. Six days from what? Well, Jesus had asked them, Who do you think I am? Who do people think I am? And there's all, well, maybe you're a prophet Elijah, maybe you're John the Baptist, maybe you're, maybe you're just a prophet. And who do you think I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, you are the Son of God. And Jesus says, you're right. That's been revealed to you from heaven. And then Jesus goes on to explain that he is going to go to Jerusalem, and he's going to suffer, he's going to be beaten, he's going to be crucified, executed, and then three days later, he's going to be raised from the dead. And Peter says, like, no, no, I just said you're the Messiah. That's not what the Messiah, it, no, I am, I'm going to be. And he, even to the point of like, get behind me, Satan. In other words, like, don't be my adverse adversary in this. This is what God wants me to do to go to the cross. So six days later, and he actually says like, and by the way, if you want to follow me, you have to pick up your cross and you have to lose your life. Now, six days later, they're up on a mountain and he becomes like bright. Like his clothes become bright. His, his face becomes bright. He gets into a glorified body. He is transfigured into his glorified body. And Moses and Elijah show up. Now, one of the things we could do if we wanted to study the Bible is we could just say, like, what's true about Moses and what's true about Elijah? What's true, what's true about both of them? Why would they be the ones? Like, what happened with Moses and Elijah when they were on mountains? And there's all kinds of things that we could learn about this just by thinking about Moses and Elijah. But we're not going to do that. We're going to go back to verse 5, Adam. 
After this, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And after, so they see Jesus' face get bright. Boom. I mean, again, again, I'm saying again because I think a week or two ago I made this point. Like, when, when you don't have movies with special effects and you haven't seen like all these, what would it be like to just see someone just, I mean, if we saw it in person, we would be amazed too. Like they don't even have grids for this kind of thing. Bright. But they're not terrified yet. They're terrified when they hear a voice. Adam, can you wake up Psalm 29? I think I am going to use it. I changed my mind. So going to Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord. So when they hear a voice from heaven, this is when all of a sudden the fear of the Lord comes. This is what verse, or, uh, I, Psalm 29 says. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The voice of the Lord comes, and we've got every sort of weather pattern that makes people like, whew, from the voice of the Lord. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. The voice of the Lord. When the voice of the Lord comes in the Old Testament, the fear of the Lord typically comes. The voice of the Lord comes here in, in, to Jesus and the disciples that are there, the fear of the Lord comes. They are terrified. Now what... I really want to pay attention to is what he said, though. What did the voice say? This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, while Jesus was walking the earth, the, a voice from heaven shows up on three different occasions. The first occasion is Jesus being baptized. And in Matthew and Mark and Luke, they all say there's a voice from heaven. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The second time is this. It is the transfiguration. Again, in Matthew and Mark and Luke, the different accounts of Jesus' life, it says same things. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Judd talked a couple weeks ago about the word here in Hebrew in the Old Testament when it's, it's listen and obey. Same here. Listen to him. Okay. The voice speaks. There's not a lot of the voice speaking from heaven. And he says, Jesus is whom I love. I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. Now, the third time that a voice comes from heaven is not in, recorded in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. It's recorded in John, which doesn't record these other stories. So John chapter 12, 
some Greeks come to him. That is, these are people who are non-Jewish, but they believe in God. They come and they want to see Jesus. And Jesus replied, this is John chapter 12, verse 23. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Just a quick aside. We have said that this year is the year of the Lord in the sense that we want to learn what does it mean that God is Lord? What does it mean that Jesus is our Lord? What does Lord mean? Because it's the the term that's used the most to describe Jesus or God. So what does it mean? Well, partly it means we're servants. Like, we are servants of the Lord. So let me read that verse again. Whoever serves me, serves the Lord, must follow him. And where I am, the Lord says, my servant also will be. My father will honor those who serve me. Verse 27, now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven, came a voice from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out, and I, when I am lifted from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. I think it's striking to me that when Jesus is transfigured, when he becomes like the glorified body, which he has now in heaven, like when, when three people get to see that a little bit and a voice comes, they're terrified. And that to me is like, of course, a voice from heaven comes. Of course, there's going to be the fear of the Lord because he is glorified. But the other time that a voice comes and actually the story's right before Jesus being in his glorified body on that mountain for just a little bit. The, the, right before is Jesus saying, I'm going to suffer and die. And then he comes down from the mountain cast demons out of a boy and says again, I'm gonna, he says it a second time, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. Glorify, I'm going to suffer and die. Father, glorify your name. I'm going to suffer and die. It's not what I'm expecting. I have glorified it. I will glorify it again. This is my son. Listen to him. And he's saying, I'm going to die. I'm going to lose my life. And whoever wants me as Lord, whoever is my servant, they're going to be right there with me. A few more verses. Verse 47, if anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. 
I know that his command leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. This is my son. Listen to him. Listen to him. The fear of the Lord is to listen to Jesus. And when he tells us what we want to hear, we're like, yeah. But right at that point, he wasn't telling people what they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear Messiah, champion, winner, we're with him. Not, I'm going to die. You're going to have to lose your life. It's not what they wanted to hear. Now go back to Revelation 15.4, if you will, please, Adam. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? There's a way in which first service, I liked first service and how it went, first sermon. It was more fun sermon for me to give, actually. But there's a way in which when you're talking about angels and God and all of this stuff, it's like, yeah, we're going to fear the Lord. Of course, we're thinking about the final days. We're thinking about the multitude. We're thinking about, yes, of course, we're going to fear your name. Of course, we're going to bring glory to your name. This is my son. Listen to him. And he says, whoever wants to follow me has to lose their life. What about when it's hard? What about when it's sacrifice? What about when it's not what I want? What about when someone dies? Then will we fear his, no his name? Then will we bring glory to him? Will we live for that? So at the beginning of the series, I think I'm done with passing out. At the beginning of the series, I was kind of low to be honest. And it had to do with studying for this series. Because um, for those of us that went through the groups, there's like eight passages every week. And a lot of the passages, especially at the beginning, had to do with like, this is what it turns out for those who fear his name. It's good. You know, for those who fear his name, it's good. Great. For those that don't fear his name, for the wicked, it's bad. Okay. So I'm reading that, and then I'm going through the weeks going like, that's not what I'm seeing. I'm seeing the people that do the right things are getting knocked down, and people that aren't are getting pushed up. What gives? I'm talking about this. We're, I mean, we're supposed to trust this. I'm not seeing it. Now, I kept going. Because I do believe this. But it, there's this part of me that's like, I'd like to see some victories. I'd like to see some victories if, if, if we're going to fear the Lord. Like, I want to see this in reality. As the series went, I saw more of the same and I saw good things. It's kind of how life is. I, I saw both. But I was attuned to, what are you doing? Can we trust you? What's going on? Here, let me give you a few of my days this week. Let me start with Tuesday. Tuesday, I had a basketball game to go to. My son's eighth grade game. So, uh, 
I know he's not playing in the first game. I'm there early. Camille's going to be coming with our daughter from somewhere else. I see she's 10 minutes away. So I back in and I get out my phone and I'm like, I'll call my dad. Call my dad. Hey, dad, how you doing? And as I say, hey, dad, how you doing? I see someone who I've been wanting to connect with, but don't have their number. And they were walking and they were going to be pulling out of that parking lot. So I, you know, good, good. Hey, dad, I got to call you right back. Okay. Boom. Then I, I run over, and as they're backing out, I get them stopped. It gets out. We talk, because there's like three or four things I want to talk to them about. Meanwhile, while we're talking, I see Camille drive by, and I wave to her. And, and a few minutes later, I get a call. So I figure, oh, the game's probably about to start that Everett's actually going to play in. So I'm, you know, I answer. I say, I'll be, I'll be right in. I'll be right in. Uh, I'm talking to somebody. I'll be right in. And so I put the phone away. I talk for a few more minutes. I walk through the doors. And Elsa hands me my keys, and Camille says, what, what are you doing? I said, well, I was just talking to so-and-so. Didn't you see me? I waved. I, I didn't see that. I didn't see you. Elsa did see your car, which we did, as we walked by, realized was running, which is why she just handed you your keys. I go, okay. So I'm flustered. So that night, I get home. It's like 9 o'clock. My dad. I never called back my dad. So I call him back and, you know, I say, sorry, dad. He's like, that's okay. It's just that, I mean, right when you called, I was, I, was, I had to go to the bathroom and I thought, well, he's going to call me right back. I'll just wait. I'll just wait for him to come back. Oh, sorry, dad. Sorry, dad. So I tell that story because it's funny, but also because I want to mention what happened in those few minutes between when I got off the phone with Camille and when I, uh, and when I went in, this person that I'm talking to, who I've known for over a decade, I just said, you should come to celebrate. And they were like, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to. And so talking, I said, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so come. And even so-and-so has come once or twice. And so-and-so. And, yeah. What times are you? Yeah, yeah, I'd like to do that. Okay. I said, you know what? I'm going to go pick up. I'm going to call so-and-so and I'll pick him up. The person he said I'll go pick up is one of the three people I've been praying for every day. Now how about when you ask somebody to come to the church that doesn't even go to church, I'm not sure if they even believe, and they say, and I'm going to bring somebody with me. Hmm. God's at work. Within two and a half days, I had conversations, situations, seven different ones. I counted them up this morning, seven different ones, all non-celebrate people, ranging from someone who does not believe in God at all to a couple of them who go to church. They just go to a church at a different place. But, you know, this is not why I'm on the clock. I guess this is one of the points I want to make. But like people who I prayed for for years and basically have stopped praying for them, because it just seemed like they weren't putting out the vibe like, yeah, I mean, basically I was trying to do everything to say like, I'm also like, I'm not just a pastor, so we could talk, because you seem uncomfortable around me, probably because I'm a pastor, who brings up to me church in the middle of something else totally going on that I would never think they would bring up, who then a couple days later can we get together? Let's go get together. 
Not to talk about God. But is there something that God is doing in that? What about the person who I, I just happened to say something to, in the, it's a person in the community I just happened to say something to, and then this week, when talking to her, and I, I just said something positive, like, but it just seemed like nothing. And you know when you get done saying something, you're like, should I have said that? I don't know, I feel awkward. And then she tells me what's going on in her life and what was happening right then and just starts crying because that's exactly what she needed to hear right then. By the way, right then was when I was going like, God, I don't see you doing anything. A person who's never prayed themselves, never prayed themselves according to them. But they let me pray with them. It was a long time ago. Every time they have seen me since, they have brought up the prayer. Sometimes it's a joke, but they brought it up every time. Can we bring up Revelation 15:4 again? Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? I I'm looking at that going like, then this circumstance should be different. Then that circumstance should be different. Then this circumstance should be different. I guess you're really not doing it. And God says, the world is broken. As people have said no to him, we'll take it on our own. We'll call you when we need you. I'm not going to leave you like that. I am coming. I am coming and I am going to live my life for you. I am going to die for you. I am going to raise again so that you can come with me after you have died. I, that is my, my aim in life is for people to know that I have created them and that I love them and that I have a purpose for them. And those who line up with me, I want them to be part of it too. We will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name. That's our question. That's the question that heaven, I think, is asking today to us. And heaven's going to keep asking it into eternity. But our lifetime is when we get to give the answer. Right now is when we get to give the answer. Who will not fear you, Lord? And bring glory to your name. Will you fear the Lord and make it your aim in life to bring glory to his name? So the last thing, as the worship team comes up, you know, part of what I've realized through this series is that um, there is a lot to, discour- to be discouraged about. There's just a lot that you can be discouraged about. And fearing the Lord just brings some perspective of what he's doing. Um,
Let's pray. You will judge the heavens and the earth. You will judge all of humanity. And we rightly fear you because of that. But you have taken judgment on yourself in the person of Jesus to make a way for us to be rewarded instead of punished. You are with people in their darkest valleys, in their deepest pain, in their confusion and their loneliness. You are always there for people ready to love and be present. And you should be feared for that. We have ignored you, we have blown it, we haven't even tried sometimes. And you still say, well, start again. I'll forgive you, let's start again. And you should be feared for that. And there are people who don't know you, who haven't come into a saving relationship with you. Who hell is warring against to try to prevent that from happening. And you are our only hope to be their only hope. And you haven't given up on them. And you won't give up on them. And you should be feared for that. So here we are, Lord. You are the Lord. You are the Lord. You are our Lord. What would it mean for me to give glory to your name? To live to give glory to your name from your perspective? God, I pray today that a spirit of encouragement would wash over the people in this room. That we would have new levels of encouragement, of not giving up, of starting again, 
of seizing opportunities? Would you bring new ways of encouragement? Would you come in your love and your power, by your spirit, new waves of encouragement all throughout this room? Would you take down the fear of man, the fear of human beings, the fear of what people think? And would we be willing to go in your name, every single one of us in different ways, but go in your name, in your name, to bring glory to your name? God, I pray that you would save the people we're praying for. I'm begging you to save the people we're praying for. Save people in this room who need saving but also send us to be your messengers for your saving power. Save people that we're praying for. You did not die on the cross for nothing. Save people who we're praying for. And when he says, who will go, would you tell him now what your answer is? Who will go for him? What is your answer? voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We love him too. God, we love him too. Thank you, Jesus, for coming for us. We will listen to you. We will fear you. We will give glory to your name.